Welcome to Dorks on Sports podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. I'm here joined as always by uh, my dear friend, uh, Curtis Eastwood. How are you doing over there, Curtis? I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> he says that smile is like, like pained, like painted on. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's you know, it's what I went through in the 1990s rooting for the Seattle Seahawks. I know. I always <laughs> knew that this day was coming. You know, I, I've been a fan of the Seahawks. We've been a fan of the Seahawks for mm-hmm. a long time and when they were bad. And mm-hmm. when they're good, you know, in, in like those prime years when we were winning Super Bowls and stuff like that, uh, I was telling myself, I got to enjoy this moment. It's always really nice when your team is mm-hmm. winning, but it's cyclical. And, uh, you know, it could be in 10 years, we could be the Jacksonville Jaguars again. And as the Mariners have showed us, that can sometimes go on for 20 years. Oh uh, enjoy this moment. And then, yeah. you know, uh, a, a day may come. I don't think that day has come yet, but. I am stealing myself. I am emotionally preparing for that day to come. You just got to keep that smile going. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Alana, how are you doing over there? Doing all right. Uh, I think uh, kind of uh, adjacent to this conversation, it's important to remember that the NFL doesn't survive without parity. Like exactly. it is it, within the league's most or within the league's best financial interest mm-hmm. and just general like population interest for there to be many teams that have the possibility to win. That's why we see six new teams in the playoffs every year. Yeah, I just, this I is, remind, it's a feature of the product of yes. what is happening. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. We got Millie over there looking serious. You got that. It's a sad, sad day here in Seattle. (laughs) It is. It has not been a great year for Seattle sports. I mean, totally disagree. We we got a brand new hockey team. Uh, That brand new hockey team who uh, they finally won a game after dropping like six in a row. Well, they do a good team. I love that. I know. The Sounders. The Sounders are in the playoff. They're 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 doing pretty well. No, it's just yeah. a sad it's just a sad sad day for the Seahawks Seahawks mm-hmm. fandom I mean we've seen it before we'll see it again I'm just uh you know I'm wallowing a little bit a little <laughs> bit fair. I didn't want to be right I don't I don't mean to bring last week's <laughs> predictions in this early I didn't want to be right so I here we go you so we got the Cardinals at home um and we got like the perfect setup we got the Cardinals with Colt McCoy uh, they didn't have their star quarterback who'd been lighting the league up all season long. Uh, and then we completely lay it, lay an egg and, uh, Colt McCoy ends up, you know, throwing some underneath passes all over that Seattle defense. Um, Colt McCoy, though, who also beat us last season. Yeah. But, God, that game was weirdly more competitive and he was on a worse team. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was you know, I just, Cope McCoy is a Seahawks killer. He's three he is. Three he is. He is. Carroll in Seattle. Cause he beat him. He beat, he beat Seattle in a freaking just a mutter, gross, disgusting game in like uh Cleveland back in, I think like, 2011 
like <laughs> six to three or something like that. It was it was Colt McCoy versus Charlie Whitehurst in that game. Woo! <laughs> Love those days. Oh yeah, yeah, the days of yeah, Charlie <laughs> Whitehurst. Jesus. Anybody who wants to trade Russell Wilson, I just want to say Charlie Whitehurst. Okay. Right. Anyway, he's got great hair. He's so handsome. <laughs> what'd you see? What'd you see in the game, Millie? Um, in, in the Seahawks game? Yeah. Not a lot. Um, what did I see? I saw a lot of frustration is what I saw. I saw a defense that continues to show some really good sparks and then do some really dumb shit. Dumb things. I saw, you know, a couple bright spots. I saw the usual Rashad Penny, like had this great run right at the beginning. And then, you know, he was hurt. Tore hammy. Yeah. Tore his hammy. He tore his hammy on that play. Tore his hammy right after his first run, that 18 yard Uh, run. Like in the chat, I was like, it looks like he hurt himself. And then he was gone. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Um, What I also saw, though, let's just give a shout out to my pocket locket, who reminded us what happens when he's uh, thrown a ball he can catch uh, and not interfered with. And then let's not forget the beauty of catching one of those balls, standing up and being tossed to the ground and getting one of those beautiful yellow flags. He's so good at getting. He is so good at getting those. Yeah. (laughs) I think he had a great game. Actually. I'll say the, there were two great players in that game and that was Tyler Lockett and Bobby Wagner. Uh, I thought Bobby Wagner was just super solid in that game. I mean, he ended with like 14 tackles and a forced fumble or something like that. Um, You know, his pass, his, his pass coverage ratings and terrible. Like he, yeah, both those Earth's touchdowns were with Bobby in coverage. And Uh, so this is a question I have because I've been noticing that, right? Like the quarterbacks all season long, uh, the success against the Seahawks is just like, um, the receiver finds a hole open in the middle of the field and, you know, any quarterback, uh, with any kind of accuracy can hit them. Is this a product of our linebackers who can't cover, or is this a product of our scheme that sucks? Game. I think it's scheme too. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily Bobby's fault. I think it's a little bit scheme and a lot of bit defensive line. There's not enough disruption mm. to uh, – I mean, they used to invite those throws over the middle when yeah. they had, you know – Cam Chancellor. When they, had, well, when they had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and Frank Clark and a host of other people that could cause disruption. And that the idea is, you know, is getting the quarterback to throw a bad pass. Uncomfortable. Yeah. So, but yeah. if you, ha- if you just, don't go ahead, sorry, Curtis. Well, there's just nobody, there's nobody, there's, there's, there's outside of maybe Daryl Taylor, there's nobody that can consist with consistency uh, when a one-on-one battle uh getting off the blocker you know there's just there's not that disruptive force on the defensive line and it's it's glaring it's it's bad it's a bad defensive line in terms of pass rush they're all right at stopping the run you know against certain teams but they're terrible at being disruptive so my question though is like and why i point it back to scheme is don't you think we have enough information to recognize that the defensive line isn't up to the task of brushing the quarterback and putting so pressure on can, the quarterback. So then you change the scheme to meet 
the skill set of the players that you have. And to me, like, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that you don't have a lot of in practice, in season practices, but like, these are intelligent men who are playing the game. You can, and experienced men. Yeah. And, and experienced men. You can throw them an adjustment. You can make in season adjustments to account for your players. What the fuck happens if you lose? Like, as we, I mean, didn't they have a backup plan when they lost Trey Reed and, or sorry, Trey Brown and DJ Reed, like, like they do. And those players have different skill sets. So they change the playbook for them a little bit. They make it easier. They adjust it in some way. Why can't we do that with the fact that we have a different defensive line than we wanted to make this defense work? Yeah. That's different than rushing to and dropping everybody else. I I, I think that's a great question to ask. I think it's a valid point. I mean, you know, from a, from a defensive, I mean, I mean, from a defensive lineman's position, um, you can scheme stunts, you know, where, you know, you've got, um, you it's know, not even about the end of the tackle spinning around and stuff like that, but they're trying to, they're trying to rush through, uh, their aligned gaps and they're not winning. Those you know, guys. they're not winning the rush. There's, yeah, there's different things. I mean, they could send Jamal Adams, you know, uh, which they've hardly they done this year. The week before. They did the week before again in, 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 right. in, in uh, Green Bay. And then they went away from that this week. It's just, it's, it just, it doesn't seem to me like the, the, the goal or that the solution is to, the, the solution to me is to scheme a different style of play out of the secondary and the linebackers to accommodate the fact that the pressure isn't getting there. It's not about changing the attempt at getting pressure because I think that if you attempt to get pressure, you will be, you will get better over the course of the year. It's, it's how do these linebackers adjust to the fact that we're not getting to the quarterback? How do these cornerbacks adjust to the fact that we're not getting mm-hmm. to the quarterback? I think, you know, this all goes down to the something that we've been complaining about all season long, which is this team has no identity. Right. On yeah. Either offense yeah. or defense. There is zero identity. And there this is really the first time I have seen on a Pete Carroll coach team where not even the defense can adjust to the games. Like we've seen the offense not be able to adjust to the games. We saw that last year. Um, neither, uh, the offense or the defense can, uh, adjust to, uh, what's happening on the field. You know, it used to be, uh, the Seahawks can come out of halftime and have, have it all figured out. Um, and we're coming out of halftime and getting like beat even worse than before. Yeah. There was well, something that's very, a really, that's a really good point. You're because that is something that we've come to rely on. And I think that was part of the personality was when we're down, we make adjustments and in the fourth yes. quarter magic happens yes. and, and we just don't have that. And-, and we used to be able to see that just like you could see it on the sideline, those adjustments happening. Uh-huh. And then, you know, yeah. they come back. Tyler Lockett made a comment in his presser um, after the game. And, uh, you know, th- somebody was asking, what's the deal with the struggles, you know? Uh, and Tyler Lockett said, um, they're playing as different than what we see on the tape. And we're not making the adjustments. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> what's 
What's super interesting about it is that Pete Carroll was then asked, you know, uh, can you comment yes. on Tyler Lockett? And Pete Carroll said, uh, well, you're assuming that he's right. And then they asked Russell Wilson the same thing. And Russell Wilson brushed it off and said, no, we just need to like execute better. And, you know, mm. he kind of gave like the Russell Wilson platitudes. I kind of think Tyler Lockett is right. <laughs> I think Tyler Lockett's onto something. I think he's... I- I think this is a coaching thing. I'm going to be perfectly yes. honest. Like there's, 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 there's a lack of, there's a lack of detail. I mean, to go back to the linebacker it's situation that Alana brought up, like, why aren't we getting them playing? But I mean, Dave Wyman, who does the color analysis on, you know, on, on uh, 710 for the, for the, for the radio broadcast, and is the afternoon host on that station um, has complained that like the linebackers, um, you know, aren't getting the right depths in their drops. Totally. Why aren't they? I mean, Ken Norton Jr. was. It's a linebacker. Is a linebacker. Right. Was a linebacker coach. Was a linebacker coach on those Super Bowl teams. But he like, is a defensive coordinator. I can tell you that. I mean, much. it's just, it's just like, I mean, I don't know. If it's, I mean, Aaron Curry, I guess, is coaching them. I mean, was Aaron Curry like a great linebacker in his heyday? Not he really. I mean, I guess, like, I just, I don't know. I don't want to lay blame on him, but like, that's a thing. And then I switched to another station, and I'm listening to. Hugh Millen talk about how, you know, on top of, you know, Russ not throwing with anticipation, like Waldron is, you know, is drawing up weird, you know, patterns for the receivers to run where they should be running quick slants. They're kind of going vertical and slanting. And it's just kind of like that little vertical movement is like wasted motion to quickly get open, you know, and it's just like, there's just weird lack of details that, you know, that, are, you know, and then the other thing I was just going to throw out is that, like, I came across this information a couple months ago, but Carol has like a ridiculously large coaching staff. So like, right. like, it's the biggest an, obscene in the amount, an obscene amount of coaches are, uh, are paid to be um, on that staff. And I just wonder if there's just way too many cooks in the kitchen, like, like the receivers and all the skill players and, you know, even the quarterback, you know, they're just, they're just not on the same page. I mean, how, how does, how does Russ throw, do a pitch to the outside to oh that uh, was oh that was hard Alex Collins and Collins is thinking it's going to be an easy handoff. Right. And like, like they were driving into the red that zone. Killed the on that killed the momentum of that. It yeah. killed them. I mean, it's just like, I mean, these type of things, that's not what a well-coached team does. No, I agree. Not 10 games into the season. And I don't care if the starting quarterback hasn't been playing for a month. Like those are things that you just don't do in a game. I mean, Colt McCoy wouldn't do that in the game. So it's got to be, it's got to just be coaching. I just, I just, Seattle, I'm Seattle, Russell Wilson is not a bad quarterback. You know, Alex Collins is a capable running back. You know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are really good receivers. (laughs) They're the best receiving duo. I mean, Bobby Wagner is not a bad linebacker. He's probably top five middle linebacker still at his age. At all time. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> right, just like, right. right. I, I, I just want to, there's, there's like it's coaching. 
There's one thing I want to say about why we lost that game. They threw up a stat in the fourth quarter, which was the number of plays that the teams had run. Uh, Arizona had run 73 and the Seahawks had run 43. They have, they are last in the league in number of plays run per game because they cannot sustain drives and they cannot stop uh, teams on third down. That's not winning football. That's not winning football. That's losing football. Literally losing football. And it's, it's bad coaching. I agree with Curtis on that. Uh, I, you know, we've been, I think this is kind of a broken record at this point all season long. We've been saying, well, are they going to be able to get it together for next game? Uh, are they going to be able to get it together next game? Millie, what are you, what are your thoughts? Uh, how, how's, uh, what are your predictions for, uh, for next week against Washington? Oh, for that, that rising star Washington football team. <laughs> uh, I like their name. Right. It's great. Yeah. Um, it was. It sure is. <laughs> uh, gosh. And I like their coach. I like them. Yeah, I do. Too. You know, look, they're on the right track. Let's, let's not blow sunshine. They're on the right track. Uh, watching some success for them. This season has been enjoyable actually. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see the changes that they're making. I think they've got more changes to make, but good for them. As far as if we can beat them, well, now we're not in prime time, so you know we're. we're I know our... we are still in that one because that's yeah. the Monday night game. We're, we're we're still on. Oh wait, am I talking? About, I'm talking about the wrong game. The Niners game is no longer. The Niners on game night. got flexed. Yeah. yeah. Wait, but our next game is against Washington. Is yeah. Washington football team? All right, yeah. You've got the schedule behind you. I know. Yeah, you just turn around and look at it. <laughs> or just look at your screen. <laughs> Uh, what's happening she can't yeah. she can't turn around and look at that that's a virtual <laughs> image curtis <laughs> um i know i we got the team formerly known as the racial slurs i i turned around <laughs> to look at the schedule once so i understand um so Wait a minute. Are we playing on Sunday or Monday? I'm so confused now. It's Monday night football, man. Oh no, it's Monday night football. Oh. But God. you know, I mean, the now, Seahawks. Traditionally, we've been good on Monday night football. I well, you know, it, roll the tape where I talk about how we don't lose in prime time in a previous episode, and ugh, all right. You know what? We're gonna win. All right. Woo. We're gonna win this one. It's Monday night. It's, uh, you know, our people get Thanksgiving off, always good. And, um, and it's time. I think, I think everyone is feeling real down and everyone is starting to feel a little pressure about their jobs. Mm -hmm. So they might be uh, a little more driven to stop doing what they're doing and try something new. Give me, give me a score. Sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need that, that believe that we keep wanting to see. Give you a score? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, let's say the Seahawks 24, the Washington football team 20. Oh, I like it. I uh I think uh I think Russell is uh gonna spend a lot of time with his boy Jesus on uh on Thanksgiving. Uh he's offering up those prayers. Uh he's watching his his he's watching his tape. Sierra's giving him, uh, giving him the pep talk. 
The, and, the uh, pep talk? The pep talk. Just, the pep talk. Okay, just, just check in about the hand motion there. And he's uh, also hanging out with his boy, Wynn. That's right, yeah. his boy, Wynn. That's Win right. Wynn Wilson. Uh, listen, Russell had some nice zip on the ball in, in this last game. They weren't the wobble ducks that we saw. Uh, you know, he was firing them down that field. I think he comes out a little bit better. I think we're gonna little we're gonna see Russell Wilson like uh, we've seen him before. I think the Seahawks are gonna put up some points. I'm saying uh, 24. Defense is gonna come through. Washington 13. Whoo! All right, all Monday right, night, all everybody. Curtis. I can get behind this logic of it. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I feel like the I do I eternal optimist that I am and. The fact that I hate their that racist team and that racist owner, uh, racist, sexist, piece of shit owner who should get brought into Congress and made to atone for the nonsense that he's been peddling in that organization um, for decades. Uh, but so I, I, I want them to win. I want the Seahawks to win for multiple reasons. I'm going to say that the defense just like really shows out on this one. Uh, and I think it's going to be uh, 21 to 10. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Curtis. Seahawks, 21 10? Yeah. Oh, I'm cutting against all your greens. Oh, good. It's okay. Uh, Washington's a better team at the line of scrimmage. Uh, their defensive line is better than our offensive line. Um, yeah. Uh, and their offensive line is better than our defensive line. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to see some improvements uh, out of Russ in the offense a bit, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, Washington wins 24-21, I say. All right. I, uh, I think Curtis's um, prediction is a lot more realistic than mine. But uh, I need some good in my life. Uh, and so I am going to believe. I Listen, I've got the spirit of Russell Wilson in me. You know, Russell knows he's going to win. I know Russell's going to win. Yeah. Have you been drinking that special water? <laughs> Russell's special water? Yeah. Yeah. Banana yeah. Water. If you need good in your life. Anybody watching, just listen to our uh, sharing and our dorkings at the end of every episode because we go. bring all kinds of good, uh, even true. if it's not about the Seahawks. So stick around and uh, it, we'll get some positive voices. Yeah. All right. No, I like that. Uh, I, uh, you know, sure, Curtis, you can, you can shit all over, um, <laughs> you know, our optimism. That's fine. <laughs> Right when I need a bright beacon of hope going sack. into the dark, dark holidays. But sure, yeah, the Seahawks are going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you need to put some Christmas time. lights up in your soul, Curtis. <laughs> uh, you know, they're there. Just <laughs> haven't are turned them on yet. Twinkle brighter. So... Okay. Statistically, the Seahawks are still. In. I think they're we're like, going to beat the 49ers, though. I just have that feeling because we own that fucking team. 
the 49ers, their trajectory is about on par with ours. We're two bad, just bottom feeder teams right now. We need to win because like, if we end up getting the seventh pick, like it's not even ours, it goes to the jets. Yeah. We're going to get that. All right. Which, which leads us into like, so how are we going to do for the, for the, for the rest of the season? We're still in it. Mm -hmm. We're two games behind uh, a wild card. I, I said, if we won one of the green Bay and Cardinals games, we got life. And if we lose both of them, that's probably it for us. And I still stand by that. I don't think our chances for the playoffs um, are, 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 are any good. Millie, what, how, how are we finishing this season? Like what, what's happening? I mean, like you're talking to the person who the year that we, we backed our way into the playoffs where everything magical had to happen. What was that? Like 2001, 2002, when we were like seven and nine and we made the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think that's what's happening this year. Yeah. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think we're going to get that wild card spot, but, um, I, I do think that we will see some more wins before this season's over. I think, you know, it, it's the team we love. So we're going to revel in the wins and we're going to hang our heads on the losses. But, um, you know, this group of dorks uh, are diehards and we don't, we're not bandwagon fans. We're not going to jump off. We're, we're here to the bitter end. So um, the rest of the season is going to be hard 12s. But um, there'll be some bright spots and there'll be some wins, uh, maybe starting with Monday. You know, um, being a longtime Mariners fan and watching that team underperform um, year after year after year after year for literally an entire generation. Uh, when you're in a losing season, I just look forward to the individual game rather mm-hmm. than like the season as a whole. Um, and that's, I think that's pretty much where I'm at with this Seahawks team, which is like, I'm going to look for the fun moments in an individual game, the exciting moments. And if we get a win, that's, that's fun. That's really exciting. I think it begs the question though, at this part in the season, do we start giving a look at some of the younger guys, maybe some of the guys, uh, that, uh, are, are, playing on the bench, but we brought them here because we think there might be a future for them. Do you know, stone Forsyth, uh, should we start giving him a look and pulling Dwayne Brown, um, you know, a little bit, what do you think, Curtis? I would, I, I mean, I would, I would, I loved what I saw. Uh, I can't believe it's taken this long to get, uh, DJ Dallas involved in the offense yeah. and like meaningful snaps in a game. Um, they had to do it because of the, you know, depth situation. Necessity, yeah. But he looked great in the preseason. And, you know, for whatever reason, the coaches didn't want to didn't want to go with the dude. I would love to see more out of him. Uh, I want uh, to see him returning some punts and um and yeah. Well, I want to see him. I want to see him more as a featured back because he's totally. just got he's got a little bit of a Marshawn sort of quality to his running style, I think. You know, I mean he's probably not quite at you know that level obviously but he he's an interesting player to me um i would love to see here's what i would love to see uh i would love to see uh daryl taylor 
and Alton Robinson, um, uh, the you know defensive end rotation more so than Benson Mayoa and mm -hmm. um, and Carlos Dunlap because they're not the future of this team. Those right. two young guys are. Yeah. Um, I would love to see. Um, God, uh, I don't know what else. Um, I guess I would love to see more D. Eskridge, you know, involved mm -hmm. in the offense. Yes. Yeah. I would love to see more. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you. St I don't think, I don't think Dwayne Brown, I just, I'm not convinced is, is going to be a part of this team this year. He's, he's I, don't, not I, I don't even know if he's going to be a part of the league next year. Honestly, he looks like he's on his last kind of legs out there. Um, like that, say, that last season that Walter Jones had, where yeah. it, you just looked like the guy was done. Yeah, I just, you know, and, you know, but. Or I the just, last I, season that Mike Potty had. I don't know if we're going to see yes. Pete doing that, though, because I think Pete is the eternal optimist, the eternal competitor. He's still thinking that, like, you know, if they can, you know, if they can pull out a win on Monday Night Football, he probably still thinks they've got a fighting chance to turn it around. And, you know, the schedule does start to soften up a bit. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not optimistic. I don't think they're going to have a winning record. I'm sort of projecting them in the you know, the seven and 10, six and 11 sort of range to me looking yeah. at the schedule. Um, you know, I just it's, don't, I can't look at this team and think to myself, what do they do? Well, here's the one thing I think they do well as a team. I think they've got a great punter. I think their punting is excellent. I don't so see, much fun I don't, to watch. Huh? Every yeah. Just, that's a, they can't stop the run. They can't, they can't rush the passer. They can't cover. I don't believe in that defense at all. And then, you know, they, they, they can't pass protect. They're not a great running team. They're not a great passing team. What are they? You know, I just, I just don't see. They so I punt. just like go with the young guys, you know, and let's yeah, see what man. they, let's see what, what this team has with youth to work with next year, which is going to be like, this probably this huge fix it job for Snyder and, let me ask you, Alana, let me ask you a question. Let's say we, we lose next week. You know, now the season's done. Um, if you're Pete Carroll, do you try to talk Russell Wilson into taking the bench and just like resting up and healing and not putting him in any further danger? I, I don't see how that's a possible possibility. Like, <laughs> I mean, Russ's middle name is compete. Yeah. Right? Like there's, I just yeah. don't think that there's any way that that happens. And I think Pete knows that. And I, I don't like it. This, the, I think, you know, I hear a lot of this conversation conversation in basketball where you, you get a star to sit out because the season's over and like, but, uh, and and you're tanking for draft picks. There's no incentive to that because we don't have our first round draft pick. Right. And right. I, I still look at the, this season in the NFL is bananas. I mean, it's bonkers. The bills lost to consecutive weeks to the Jags and the Colts. There, the, I, there's not a team in the league right now. That is like a clear best. Tennessee lost to the fucking Texans. Like <laughs> right. we got the Texans on the schedule. Yeah, but that was a game where Tannehill threw four interceptions. Like that's not that was that was a fluke of a game. Like let's be real. I, I don't I don't think that the Texans are world beaters by any stretch of the man, imagination. I still look at this. I still look at this season and I'm like, oh, 
it's win, 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 loss, win, win, win. Like, the, yeah. Like, and that puts us at nine and seven, or sorry, nine and eight, which is probably in the playoffs because of how bananas this season is. So yeah. I'm not necessarily, I don't think that A, you can, or B, you should try to convince Russell to hang up the cleats for the season. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I think there's a case that could be made. I don't think Russell would ever sign off on that. Uh, and you know, and this, it's a guaranteed a way back. to run him out of town. Guaranteed. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there's a lot of season left to play. And like I said, we're still only two games behind a wild card. So, uh, you know, statistically it's, uh, still, um, quite a possibility. It's still, it's still, it's still there to go get it. We just need to win out. We just, we just, we just need to win out. Hey, it's Ten, seven, baby. Happen. Yeah. Uh, let's move on um, to dorking. I want yeah, to yeah, wait. I just want to be clear. So my my fantasy team, it's Ooh. two and nine. So uh-huh. I don't have a chance, right? <laughs> just, all this positive thinking. I just thought I'd check. It Millie. doesn't seem. So did you did you run up against Jonathan Taylor or Austin Eckler this week? <laughs> no, no, that's the saddest part. What if what if somebody had both of those players on their team? Ooh. I'm sure wow. somebody does. Yes. But um, Millie, like like Ted Lasso, yeah. believe. Yeah, believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but I did win in the other league. I know everybody likes to keep up on this. I do so. like to keep up. This is uh um, this is the drama that I'm looking for because I ain't getting it from the Seahawks. But I am 10 and 1 in the dynasty. Oh, so man. again, Pete Carroll. Uh Jody Allen, if you're listening. Jody Millie. Allen, if you're listening. Yeah. Millie can replace John Schneider there. Millie's got one good team. Yeah. It has been around for a while. And one team <laughs> that stinks. She's 10 and one in her in her uh, in her franchise league. And she has an inverse record in the other league. <laughs> <laughs> and she got knocked out of her whatever head chop off. Guillotine oh, yeah, like guillotine. Like week the three. guillotine league. Yeah. Well, that's a yeah. See how that goes next year. I understand the strategy a lot better now. But anyway, sorry. Uh, let's change yeah. the subject. No, I like it. Alana, what are you dorking out on? Uh, so I um, I took this week off, and one of the benefits of taking the week off for me is to like just kind of put dip my fit in, feet into a bunch of different media. Um, and so mm. I've been watching a lot of different things right now, um, and uh, I've What's also played. Uh, sort of. Um, it's a show on HBO Max, and mm-hmm. it I streamed it all in a day. It's nice. eight episodes, and it follows a non-binary Pakistani nanny and their relationship with a family, um, uh, and uh, it's very queer. Uh, it's very good storytelling. Uh, it's wonderful dialogue. Um, and the performance from the lead actor uh, whose name is Bilal Baig um, is uh, delightfully droll. It's a comedy. Mm. The fact that they're queer, that they're non-binary, 
and I think actually gender non-conforming is the more appropriate term sure. so they don't get explicit in there is like one of the least interesting things about them mm -hmm. uh, which is a clear sign that uh, it's a story written in an own voice um, because a trans person would never write a story that's like hey I'm trans and My everything trans that I do issues. is trans yeah, yeah, yeah. right um, and so I highly recommend it. It's called Sort of. Um, I also got down on the first three episodes of Wheel of Time, uh, which uh, the dialogue is garbage in that, but it gets better as the series goes along. Uh, I think it's worth sticking with. It was weird that once they got into the third episode where they split up into two different like mm -hmm. stories, that it was significantly better storytelling. Like it was kind of night day better storytelling. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I started, I watched the first episode of Cowboy Bebop, which I thought was okay. Um, and yeah. Uh, I've heard mixed things about that one. It's a mixed show. I think there's a lot to like about it, and it's got some glaring flaws. Mm. I hope Cowboy Bebop gets a second season because I think its flaws are imminently fixable. Um, uh, so yeah, it you know the original source material uh, and this is all this will be my dorking thing because uh i i watch just before you do and hawkeye starts in three hours so oh that's, oh that's right um so cowboy bebop you know the original source material the the original anime was itself a sort of like pastiche love letter to western tropes noir um 70s kung fu you know like and it kind of melded them all into a really seamless very interesting way the live action show seems to be a pastiche and love letter to the anime and i wish instead of like swimming in the tropes of the anime it swam in the tropes of the source material that the anime swam in and mm. so if it like bumped down the silliness of that anime and bumped up sort of like the noir uh and western and kung fu stuff um i think it would be a much better show um because right now it's like a cosplay of the anime instead of being its own living, breathing thing. The fact that it's a cosplay of the anime is still really interesting because the anime is very interesting. The actors are also just really charismatic and they all have a great chemistry. Uh, uh, the guy who plays Jet Black, um, Sh Shakir, I think is, is uh, he's fantastic. I think he channels Jet Black perfectly yeah. john cho is uh is very likable as spike he's a very different spike um uh but i like sort of like the world weary take that he has on the character um and then uh, uh pineda the actress they got for um uh Faye, uh does some wonderful work and the tv show um did a lot of work on that character for the better um the anime um was a very outdated um, take on, you know, like a female assassin. Um, but I, I, I have hopes for it. I, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say. Um, and I think that its flaws are fixable if, uh, if you give it some time. Uh, I, I had one other thing quickly to shout out, um, which is the last episode of Succession that aired mm -hmm. was the best one that they've ever had. 
And it was, you watched it, right? I, yeah, yeah. I okay. fucking loved it. It was phenomenal. I fucking loved it. I thought it was, I, I, I agree. I think it was the best episode uh, of its entire run. Yes. I loved how Stephen Root and Justin Kirk just like fucking slid in like right. they've been there for three seasons. Well, and yeah. I just want to say that bathroom scene yes. with Justin Kirk. Why didn't they just fuck in that bathroom? And Kieran Culkin. Like, was the hottest thing I've seen on TV was, in a long there was time. So much sexual chemistry. So much sexual chemistry, and I just wanted to see him fuck. Like yes. I, I just I need those two characters to fuck. And oh, I don't. Right. When I don't you're care. talking about you know Mussolini or yeah, yes. H or Duh. like God, and then it and then the, the acting from Matthew McFadden in the diner scene against Kendall. Oh, like, oh just heartbreaking. Like, there were like nine layers in everything he said. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and th- yeah. And then we also watched started season two of The Great and there was a line that was fucking, fucking fuck. And it was just, <laughs> like, that was the line. It was brilliant. Sorry, I'm dominating. So I'm going to All right. I'm done too. Curtis, what are you darking out on? I uh, finally... Um... We finally watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Nice. What do you think? I, I, Heather and I, my spouse and I, uh, first movie we've been able to watch in quite some time together because we have a trio. Uh, Freaking loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It's, it's one of my favorite Marvel films. I mean, it's up there with the Guardians films and the Ragnarok and Black Panther and Iron Man and all those ones. Uh, I thought it was... Um, I thought it was beautifully shot. Uh, I love the pacing of it. Uh, I love the acting of it. I actually thought the, uh, the, 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 the real kind of Mandarin character, uh, that was the best antagonist, sympathetic villain, uh, that I've seen in a Marvel film and Marvel has done like an excellent job at producing those type of characters. Yeah. Uh, he was by far and away the most compelling. And I think uh, for me, it hit home with the whole father thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fam- the film is so centered around family. And, and I just love the whole storytelling of the, um, you know, the two kids and uh, the mother and the father and the whole yin yang thing. That the parents were that the kids sort of had inside of both of them and it's just I, know, I thought it was a really beautiful film i thought it was beautiful to look at i've got a question to throw out to uh the three of you have you all seen this film yes yeah. yes uh was the lighting too dark at the end in the last what? sequence, because I've got a friend that like has has been complaining. Like <laughs> every time he like sends me a text about some sort of Marvel film or something like that, one of the first things he starts bitching about, Matt, I'm talking about you, uh, <laughs> is is the lighting in these things. And uh, I'm like watching this film, and I'm just sitting there like, this is gorgeous. I, I don't, gorgeous. I don't recall. Wait, wait. wait. He's sending me a picture. He's we're battling right now in a text semi. I mean, it's all tongue in cheek and stuff. And I'm asking him, does he need to go see the eye doctor? But he's like, show me a picture of like the dragon underwater. I can't spoil it for the 
listeners, but like, I mean, this is this one little thing where it's underwater. It was too dark. And I'm like, I don't think the lighting was too dark. I think that the contrast was off. I, I agree that yeah. it didn't, it wasn't on, on the TV screen watching from home streaming uh-huh. Disney plus the, the difference between the dragon and the water and uh-huh. the additional negative space was not clear. It was not a, it was not a vibrant okay. image. Okay. So I think, I think that it, it's about contrast and not about lighting. But I, and I, I see that in a lot of stuff that I watch. Um, we actually, well, he, have, apparently he does too. And he complains about it every single time. And it's just <laughs> like, like, this is like, well, a like big... we, we just got a new TV. Right. And so now all of a sudden we have a whole new problem of figuring out what setting to be on, but there is suddenly, you know, there's a lot more black because it's a newer, nicer TV. And the more, the more depth you have and all of these things. And there are certain shows that I've seen where it's driving me crazy. And then there's other shows that uh, those contrasts are really heightened. So you're able to see better. And I think a lot of this just comes down to the way that these movies are made and that we are watching them at home. We're not watching them in a darkened theater. We're not watching them in the optimal Mm -hmm. way in which they were designed to Mm -hmm. be seen. Mm -hmm. And I get frustrated by a number of TV shows that love to do these really dark scenes. And I'm trying to watch in my living room on a Saturday at noon and I can't see it. And I, there's certain, I just stop watching. Like I got to watch this at night in the bedroom. I'm not going to be able to see it. Right. There's something to be said, I think for the atmosphere in which you are in, when you are watching these shows as well. Yeah. I never pick up on any of these things he complains about. So I just, I started to like legitimately, like as I'm watching this film, I'm going like, okay, I seriously think there's something wrong with Matt's eyes. Like, I just like, I, how do I say this nicely to him? Listen, Matt, you, you need to, you need to go to your optometrist. <laughs> maybe Matt, Matt, maybe you're colorblind. I, you might be, we're worried. Well, that's what, Matt, I mean, I'm just like, get should he be out. driving behind the wheel? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I just want to throw I'm in. sorry you're uh, not here to defend yourself matt but you you gotta you gotta go he should be a guest on this because he's like he's uh, all right one of the we're gonna bring matt in to defend himself like, i do want to throw yeah. out that in that movie uh i really loved the reemergence of uh ben kingsley i don't yeah think oh my god oh, yeah. oh, he was so good so, like <laughs> iron man 3 is like one of my top favorite films of this whole thing because it was <laughs> directed by Shane Black and it was so, so random in the uh, MCU and it was it's so weird uh I love seeing that character just randomly come back with, oh yeah sure it's great you've mm-hmm. been paying attention you understand who this is mm-hmm. <laughs> Millie so what are you darking out on what's that what are you darking out on um darking out on you dorks you're you're fascinating um I did just finish the morning show, the, the second season of the morning show. It was trash. Yeah, that's what I hear. It Sorry. was really, it was really uneven. It certainly didn't grab me the way that the first season did. Um, and I feel like there was there's some storylines. I'm like, that's the storyline I want, and that's barely the storyline you get. So it feels like a, you know, it, it, I feel like in the olden days when you were allowed to have a sophomore season that was uneven because you're trying to figure out what you are beyond your first season it felt that way you Mm -hmm. know which characters are going to stick what story do we care about like how long should jennifer aniston live like you know maybe maybe that covid just mm, let's get real with that (laughs) storyline so so she she killed chip right like with that whole scenario like chip chip dead now right like 
if the, if Chip not dead, then like that was his choice, man. That I guy, know it was his choice. That guy's got issues, right? Uh, <laughs> but he dead now, right? Like <laughs> everyone around her just dies. That's how this is gonna go. Yeah. Um, so I did. I did enjoy that, and I was trying to think of like, what am I truly dorking out over? Like, what every week? And I, am I just like, oh yeah, I gotta watch it? And it's actually this season's Project Runway. Um, uh huh. I am really I enjoying this season's Project Runway. The designers are insanely good. Usually there is, you know, this sort of the top group that emerges within, say, the first three to four challenges, three to four weeks. Um, this group, with the exception of a few, and anyone could come out with the designs that are going to get them to fashion week and just about every designer is truly an established designer who has uh, a storefront and who really mm -hmm. suffered um through the last uh year and a half with how to deal with a very small non-lucrative business mm -hmm. um during covid when people weren't even buying new clothes because they didn't yeah. need to because they were home you know it's their their personal stories and what they've gone through just to be there is great but what they are putting out which is what the show is really about the the fashion that's coming out of these people is to die for i've just never seen a season with so many talented likable people in it and i'm can't wait to see what happens next Ah, I didn't even know a new uh season of project runway was out and i i do really like the show i gotta check that out is that on peacock Mm, I, I don't I don't know. Okay. Are you watching are you watching it live <laughs> like an old person, Millie? Uh, no, I, I record it on my DVR. Oh my god. It, it might be so because it's on Bravo. So oh, I'm not Millie. sure what it re-airs on. Millie out here watching TV like it's 2003. It's back on Bravo now. It's no longer <laughs> on Lifetime. Yeah, I mean it's very different than it used to be. Christian Siriano is I knew that, yeah. Is, is the uh is the Tim Gunn and and um, this season actually they don't have a supermodel host period, um, so it's it's very different uh, especially this season, but uh, yeah it's back on Bravo, okay. because they're always advertising lower decks and that's Bravo so there you go, all right cool, cool, great, great. I, I'm done dorking out how about how about y'all, for sure. looking forward to that Seahawks versus Washington game. We're gonna kick ass, Curtis. We're gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna win one for the twelves. I cannot wait to be proven wrong. And I am great. looking forward to cooking my first turkey, and I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I want to say that too. Happy Thanksgiving to the twelves. You should check Curtis's blog, twelvelife.com. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a Thanksgiving post about the Seahawks. I just. <laughs> I just made that up, so Curtis has to work on something. Yeah, that'll be interesting with my Native American background. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's keep that in mind. I want to see that. Oh, and we're playing the the racial slurs, Curtis. You and the racial slurs, that. the team formerly known oh, as the racial slurs. It's yeah. writing itself. Okay, that's enough nonsense. Uh, we're here every Wednesday. Check us out. Follow us. Tell your friends. Once again, my name is Daniel for Alana Curtis. Millie and the rest of the twelves saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And go happy Hawks. Thanksgiving. <laughs>